everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today's the Day Changemakers podcast. I am Jody Grinwald. This is episode 59, the last episode for season one. I cannot believe what an incredible year it truly has been. The first episode of this podcast aired on Wednesday, December 30th, 2020, just one year ago. During this first season, I have interviewed 65 guests from six different countries. The podcast has been downloaded in 25 countries and 320 cities from around the world. I have interviewed multiple CNN heroes, TEDx speakers, authors, leaders, CEOs, inspirers, executive directors, and more. So many lessons shared and learned. Every single one of my guests has been a change maker in their own way. That is because there are so many people who want to do good, to make an impact, and individually as well as collectively, our voices matter. In this week's episode, the podcast host, meaning me, becomes the guest. I am interviewed by the incredible Dennis Butnick, Chief Culture Officer for Investors Bank. You can hear Dennis's journey on episode 10 of the podcast. Dennis is receiving the 2022 Catalyst for Change Award at the first annual Today is the Day Challenge Yourself Disrupt the Status Quo International Changemakers Forum that will be held on Thursday, March 24th, 2022. I am super excited to share that more than 30 of my 2021 podcast guests will be key speakers at the Changemakers Forum. There'll be an interactive international networking experience, six different Ignite Your Spark breakout sessions, and so much more. Please go to todayisthedayliveit.com to learn more. During this episode, I get vulnerable and share a lot more about my personal journey. As I said, the podcast host truly does become the guest. As we close season one of the Today is the Day Changemakers podcast, I want to sincerely thank the incredible changemakers of this season for trusting me to share their stories with you. Thank you to all of you who listened, liked, followed, commented, and subscribed. I hope you will continue to do so. We listen to other people's stories in order to connect, to find inspiration, and to help us navigate this thing that we call life. Please go to todayistheday.liveit.com to learn more about the first annual International Changemakers Forum. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Today Is The Day Live It. Cheers to season two in 2022. Thank you so much for supporting us in our first season. Have a great week, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today's the Day Changemakers podcast. I am Jody Grinwald, and today we get to turn the uh, kind of a little bit turn the, the tide here in which I'm going to be interviewed by my friend and just an incredible human, a change maker, Dennis Butnick from um, he's the chief people or culture officer. I always say chief people, but it's chief culture officer for Investors Bank. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm doing great. How you doing? It's I'm good to be good. back. This is my second time. I think I'm the first one that came back. I think I'm the first one that came back, right? I'm, I'm the second time. You had people twice yet, or is this the first time? Well, you're the first one to interview me, but I have had you back multiple times as a co-host, but you, I think you've been the co-host more than others. That's for sure. And I think that Honestly, like you are winning um, and receiving the, you're an honoree for our 2022 uh, Changemakers Forum, Challenge Yourself, Disrupt the Status Quo, which is going to be an inaugural event on March 24th. And you are the first honoree. 
because it is because of you um, and believing in this podcast and the work that I'm trying to do that you helped to introduce me to some incredible change makers who then introduced me to other incredible change makers. And one of the things I always love to say on the show is it just takes one person, one organization, believe in you to help you. And then it just blossoms. You just plant the seed and you water it and it blossoms and it grows. And you helped me do that. So thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, you said a lot like, so, so thank you for the, uh, for the award. I mean, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm honored. Uh, so uh, it's really nice to do that and, and to have that award. And, and it's also nice to be back. And I do believe in what you're doing. And uh, I think that you have a good format. And um, I think it does help people view things a little different. When we get opinions from other people, we could say, well, you know, I really haven't thought of that, but that's an interesting point of view. I'm curious. Let me look more into that. And then the great thing about formats like this is, is that we could adjust how we think, expand how we think. Uh, we look at possibilities. Every day is a, is a new possibility uh, to make something uh, move something forward. And so it's, it's, uh, it's podcasts like this that give us that mental, um, these gifts, these little gems that we get to say, hey, I haven't thought of that, but that will help today and tomorrow move move more forward to what I'm trying to achieve. So I'm glad to be back. And, and you had mentioned that it's a little different today because, you know, when you're a host, you could just ask people questions, you sit back, you let them sweat it out. And then they have to come up with an answer. But today you were willing to say, hey, I want you to interview me. And I thought that was a great opportunity for your audience to get to learn about you. And to, uh, to create a relationship with you. And the way we do that is by learning about people. So your audience knows that, hey, you ask good questions and you're very natural and you make people comfortable. But now we want to learn about Jody behind the, pod, the podcast, the person behind the podcast. So, And I think as your audience learns more about you, they'll start to appreciate where this is coming from, right? There's a different appreciation. Oh, now I know what's behind this. And then it, it creates more meaning around what you're achieving and want to achieve moving forward, because there is a why behind this. It's not just the podcast. It's, it's way beyond the podcast. So I look forward to our conversation and I look forward to, uh, to learning more about you. So uh, thanks for the opportunity. No, thank you for doing this. I definitely, um, we're turning the tables here and it is definitely an interesting feeling being on this side of the uh, Zoom screen now knowing that, uh, you know, questions are going to be coming at me. And I talk so much on the podcast about vulnerability and judgment. And it's one of the things that I think um, I'm so grateful to my guests all year, because this is the last one of the year, mm -hmm. um, being vulnerable and not being afraid of judgment. And it is, it is a scary place to be, especially because a lot of times the questions I ask, they're not scripted. So people had to go into different directions than they had expected and just went on the journey with me and shared things. We've cried, we've laughed. I always forget to bring tissues. And so it's that's the one thing that being in this seat today, Dennis, um, not really knowing, you know, we talked a little bit, but not really knowing what questions and where we're going to head is definitely a different feeling for me today. Yeah, and and and, and I know that, that we did a little preparation, but you know, I have a couple of questions that you're not gonna be ready for. I'm gonna throw you some curveballs just to keep you on your toes. But uh, but it's really good. So I, I think um, we should I want to get started. And, you know, I don't want to talk about your podcast right now. I think we're going to save that for later. What I want to talk about is Jody. And I actually want to go way back because 
the podcast started way back when you were a little Jody. That, that's where this whole concept of helping people and, and, and being around people and making great things happen, it all started back there. And I think for a lot of us, a lot of us that are listening to this, that are in business, you know, we, we, there was something going on when we were young. We knew we, we wanted to do something different. And, and was, so we found ourselves. I don't think it's a mistake. I think the journey starts very, very young. And then we find ourselves in great situations. I always wanted to be a, a, a rock singer. And then I realized I, I don't have a voice, <laughs> but I love getting on stage. So I can't sing. I'll talk. And so I try to rock people and I try to rock the house with motivational stuff. But you know, I'm living it out that way. And so we, we live out our dreams. It may not be exactly what we want, but I think you're living out your dream based on what I know about you. So let's start with uh, Jody, where you grew up, a little bit about your childhood. I, I, I think we should start there. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you just tell us about that. Sure. So for those who can't tell, I was um, brought up and born in Brooklyn. And the reason I say can't tell is number one, I talk fast. And a lot of the times I lose my R's when I'm talking. So it's pretty obvious that I, I come from Brooklyn. I do everything I can to kind of change that uh, because I, I hate when those R's are lost. But I, I grew up there. I lived there from the time I was born until I was 15. And I went to Staten Island. Um, in Brooklyn as a kid, I, I was very, very shy. You know, I, it, I don't think back then there was ever a day I thought that I would ever be in the public eye because of the fact that I felt very different. I was very, very shy and prayed that the teacher would never, ever call on me. I wanted to hide under the desk. I didn't have a tremendous amount of friends um, because I always felt like I was being judged, right? So, you know, I was not the outgoing, try to make be the class clown. I was the quiet kid. And the quiet kid gets lost in the shuffle a lot of times. Um, I, my sister and I are five year, almost five years difference in age. Although people don't always think that. So it's kind of fun for me because they always say, oh, who's the older sister? Which makes me feel great. Uh, right. That's very, very <laughs> funny. Um, but I love it. Uh, so, you know, and she was, you know, um, I always felt like she was prettier than me. And she was definitely smarter than me when it came to school. So it was definitely an interesting dynamic at, at home um, because, because of that. And my mom at one point cut my hair short because I was given her problems when she was when she was trying to do my hair. And so everybody would say when we were walking down the street, oh, what a cute little girl to my sister. But because my hair was short, they would say, oh, what a cute little boy. And wow. it, it was really, really tough, you know, being that kid for a while. But I was definitely, you know, I was made fun of as a kid. I was bullied because I was the kid that you could, right? I would cry. I was sensitive. If a teacher talked to me in, in class and said, no, you got the wrong answer. That's wrong. You should know better. I would lose it. Like I wasn't able to hold it together. Um, my, my self-esteem was very, very low. I'm not sure why, but it, it definitely was um, on the lower side. And I just think I had, I had a problem with learning, Dennis, that I didn't know about until way, way later. Um, I remember in second grade being taken out of uh, class. Um, and I, I didn't know why I was called out. It was me and like two other kids. And I had to go to Mrs. Terrell's class. Oh, boy. That doesn't sound good. Yeah. Because my reading comprehension, I struggled. I struggled. I would read and it would be gone. As soon as it came in, it was gone. I couldn't remember the people's names, the timeline. But back then, who knew about ADHD or ADD? Nobody talked about it. It wasn't even thought of. 
I just was special and had to go into the special class. And it felt horrible being here. I was, didn't want anybody to call my name, but every Tuesday at a certain time, my name was being called to come to the front of the room to go to Mrs. Terrell's class. And so uh, it's amazing. I remember her name. And so that was, um, it, it didn't feel good. I can tell, I can tell you that I felt very different and didn't know why. And that was definitely one of the reasons. And I think if somebody would have nurtured that, not, you know, knowing that I wasn't able to retain information, not because I wasn't smart, it was because my brain couldn't focus on one thing at a time. And that yeah. has gone on with me for my whole life. I just didn't even realize. So I was an adult that I have probably most likely ADD or ADHD. Yeah. Like, like most of us, right? Like it's most a, of us. It's, yeah. it's crazy, right? You know, it's interesting because with, with life today, and, and I do a lot of uh, coaching, a lot of training, and even adults, it's, it, they may not have ADHD, just, they just have children and they have parents and they have situations that just, it steals our attention, right? It's hard to stay focused sometimes because we have sick parents or, or sick children or children struggling with self-esteem or who's being bullied in school. And, you know, my dog is sick and, uh, you know, I'm behind on my bills or, you know, my husband's losing his job or my wife is looking for work. And it's just so much stuff that takes us away from now. It takes us away from the present. And, but there's a reason why, when we talked about this, why, you know, we thought it was a good idea for you to share that because I think for anyone that's listening could look back and say, you know, my story's similar. It's not the same, but yeah, I went through stuff too. And then there's some that say, well, I'm really fortunate. I, I didn't go through any of that. And that's wonderful too. But I think the real, uh, uh, the real juice of what you're saying is that's behind, right? That's how I grew up and I struggled with that. But now I have a podcast. <laughs> now I'm talking to great people from around the world and, and so I think the, the lesson to, to having you share this is that as business people, we're here, but there's little Jody's out there and little Dennis's out there right now that are dealing with low self-esteem. They're dealing with, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm special, but not in a good way, or uh, I'm not like everyone else. And I don't think I could do this. And, and we've gone through that. And I can't tell you how many people I've sat with and coached them. And I'm sure you have too. And I'm sure many on this podcast that are listening have coached young adults. They need our coaching. They need someone to say, I've been there and I've been there in a bad way. Let me tell you, and you could do it. This is how I did it. It's just, it's just, this, it's, it's stepping stones. This is what strengthens you. Cause I think the person you are today came from there. Like you built your strength, you built your endurance, you built this kind of thick skin and you learned, okay, you know, okay, I've been through that. And I'm still here. I'm still surviving. So thanks for sharing that. Now, was there anyone in your childhood that really helped you shift that? So, um, you know, there, there's always lots of people that, that do that. Um, and I think I had more of those mentors as I got older. When I was younger, um, my, my parents split up when I was about 12 years old. And before mm -hmm. my dad was like every, you know, everything to me. And then there was a, there was a time when we didn't chat. Um, because of the fact when he left and, and it was that, you know, wasn't an easy story, just like, you know, back then too, divorces and separations were not extremely popular. They did. No. The yeah. The percentages of the divorce rate, like they are now it's 50% is, is was not that then. So was that like another, I don't want to say embarrassing, but that different piece, right? Yeah, sure. 
And so he was my mentor, you know, growing up, he was everything. I remember going to work with him and I would spend so much time, Dennis, going to and sitting at his job with him, being bored to tears. But the time that we spent in the car going into New York, having lunch together and the drive back was so super special because I had his undivided attention. He is a workaholic and I know where I get it from. He was a workaholic and um, I didn't get the time. That was my special time with him. And so I remember the stories and the things I could share with him. And he would tell me, and I remember this too, you're, you may feel like you're different, but you're special in, in a good way. He would always try to tell me that, you know, right. and know what was going on with me. He had his own learning disability. He didn't know that back then either. He had trouble spelling um, and, and he was mortified that he couldn't retain spelling for whatever reason. Um, that wasn't my thing, but that was his. And so it was, it was just interesting. He was definitely one of that, one of the ones I, I had teacher. I had a few teachers along the way, but to be honest with you, mentorship really started for me when I became, you know, in my career, that's when things then started to go uh, in in the right place. But there was uh, unfortunately one other incident that did happen in my childhood that kind of did uh, brought me, I feel like, to being able to be stronger. And that was when I was 13 years old. Tell us about that. Tell us about that. When I was 13 years old, um, I unfortunately was uh, assaulted by a neighbor down the street from me. And when I say assaulted, I'm talking about, I wound up with a ripped cartilage in front of my heart. I was in a neck brace for about six months. I had lost feeling down my, my arm, my left arm. I had traction at home, which was horrific. And I, I had to sit in front of this girl. Um, You know, we would talked about an order of protection. Um, But, but I decided that we, you know, she lived down the street from me. So that was difficult. So we went to mediation and I remember talking to her and I remember the mediator saying to my parents later, boy, your daughter's only you know, 13 years old, but she talks as if she's like, like in her 20, 30 years old. She's, they're like, she sat there and basically talked to her and was coaching her and psychoanalyzing the, the girl to her and trying to help her to understand where her anger is coming from and why that her anger was not really about Jody. It was about something else going on in her life with her own parents. And then she out on me. And the the, the reason behind the reason why she even uh, decided to beat me up was because I didn't want to join her gang, which was of course something I was the shyest kid in the world. And I didn't want to get involved in doing anything bad, like throwing pumpkins into windshields, which was her forte. Um, (laughs) Pumpkins into windshields. Oh yeah. During during Halloween. It was Halloween. It was great. Um, But I didn't get to go to ninth grade. Okay, because I had to be homeschooled because I was very ill uh, with dealing with all of that back and forth to a million doctors. Mm -hmm. I had to sit in front of this girl through mediation. And I think that that was kind of the catalyst, not knowing back then about, um, you know, what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, That definitely helped me to to see the path of wanting to help people like, wait a minute, where this anger is not about me. I'm I'm hurt. But yet I stood there and I took myself out of the position at 13 Instead of being angry back, I came from this place of compassion, which is very difficult to do in general. But at 13, I think that was a pretty grown up thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your story reminds me when you talk about, you know, it wasn't about you. There's a great book out there called The Four Agreements. And and, uh, the, the author talks about people that hurt people are hurting. So don't take it personal. I mean, you feel the pain. And, and you feel the anger and you, you feel the anxiety of it, 
but don't take it personal because they're, you know, people that cause pain are in pain and, and people that are happy and people are, that are really good within themselves would never dream of causing pain to someone else. So, so that helped me a lot too, but I learned that later on. I read that book later on. And now when, when I get in situations where I get bit by something small and it hurts my feelings, I realize ah, it's probably not about me. So let me just give that person a benefit of doubt. They're not attacking me. They're just playing out whatever's going on inside of them. But, but that's, that's a, a really powerful story. And so what can you look back and say, because of that, here's one thing I am that I'm glad I am, but I could almost trace it back there. What's one characteristic that you have that you could say more than likely it came from that experience? I think after that is when I started to want to, the way my shyness started to slowly, and I want to say slowly diminish, was to become this helper, supporter, being able to, you know, if I saw somebody down and out or someone who was feeling sad, I had the strength to talk to and go over to that person. Even though I was super shy, I wanted to help and coach and support. And and so originally I thought I was going to make my way to becoming a a teacher slash psychologist. I knew that that was what I wanted. Didn't happen, but that was what I wanted. But I really believe it was that conversation in that mediator's office that made me see that how can I help make a difference? Plus, I do want to add one thing here, Dennis. So while I was beat up and not able to go anywhere, I decided I watched a movie called Not My Kid. Um, And this movie, Not My Kid, was about a child who was babysitting her sister. She got in with the wrong crowd. She became addicted to drugs and beat the heck out of her sister during this movie. It was it was it was a great movie, a great teaching. And she had to go into rehab. Her father was a doctor, this whole thing. And I said, wait a minute. I want to help people. I I want to help other kids who are dealing with this. And this was when Nancy Reagan had the Just Say No campaign. Mm -hmm. So 13 year old Jody is writing to Nancy Reagan and hundreds of drug rehabs across the country, handwritten. And then my father got me the typewriter that you had to use, you know, whiteout or it was just impossible to erase all over again. They're coming back. Typewriters are coming back. People are buying them. I know. And so I would write and ask, ask these drug rehabilitation centers, how can I help other kids and educate them that, that they should about addiction and that the importance of, if you have a problem getting help. And I, all of a sudden being beaten up brought me to this place of writing over a 300 page research paper about drugs and alcohol. That was me. And I got a letter back from Nancy Reagan, which was incredible. And all these rehabs wrote me back and they sent me pictures of my letter being hung up on the wall in in their rehab saying, here's a 13 year old who wants to help make a difference by helping other kids. They didn't give me what I could do, right? Because I was young. What could I possibly do back then? And it wasn't the same as it is now with nonprofits and helping no matter what age you are. But that was a, so that was the catalyst getting beaten up. I had all this time, uh, you know, that assault brought me to, how can I help make a difference watching a movie? It's incredible. And I, I, I didn't even link all of it until just talking about this with you right now, how that linkage happened and, and how I, you know, I wanted to become an addiction specialist for a while. My father's like, no, 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 not a good, not a good idea for you. You're too sensitive. I don't think that that would be a good way for you to go. And that, you know, I, I, I kind of still feel a little bit like that was a missed opportunity because I really did want to help. 
people who had addiction back then. Um, and I still do. And I, and I do that in other ways now, but I think, yeah, if that, when I look at what it's done for me, Dennis, it brought me to coaching now. Right. So, you know, I became down the road way later, I became a certified professional coach, but, um, that's probably where it all came from. Oh, that's great. So, so when I, when I listen to your story, you know, it's, it's like, when you look back, it's almost like you could put the puzzle together. You know, when this happened, this happened. And then when that happened, this happened. And you look back and say, wow, it's a perfect puzzle. Cause if it wasn't for this, that would have never happened. If that never would happen, I wouldn't have met this person. If I didn't meet this person, right. <laughs> and, and so we could easily look back and put all the pieces together and say, wow, it was almost like it had to happen that way. But sometimes we don't feel it when we're in the middle of it. Like we think, why? Like, why am I going through this? But then it's years later that we look back and say, now, now I understand the value. I mean, I didn't like going through it, but now I understand how I benefited from it and how it strengthened me or it enlightened me on something or I appreciate something more now than I did back then because of that situation. You know, it, it really is pretty cool how life unfolds and, and how that pattern, because we look back and it's a perfect pattern. You know, you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for all those little things that just that just happened, right? And so it's really cool. And so now, now you're uh, you 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 went to high school. You did not have an opportunity to finish college, but you did start. And um, did that affect you back then when when you were out in the workforce without having college, or did your energy just take you through everything? Such a great question and loaded one too, because um, I wanted to go to college, but college really back to my, you know, my, my learning issue. Right. So my problem was, is I wound up in the end of high school being in smaller classes called college discovery, which was awesome because that's, that was a better way for me to learn. But then what happened was, is I got thrown into community college, which is not where I wanted to go. I got into this really great college, even with not great SAT scores, but unfortunately, my father wouldn't send me to that college. And so he's like, let's try community college. Not for me. 60 students in a class. I was drowning. I was lost. Oh. And, I, and I did my very best. And I was there for about a year and a half. And I was working full, I was working full time at the same time. But I decided I just, just couldn't do it. I was so miserable. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try my hand at the workforce. And maybe I'll take a class here and there. And I did wind up doing that, you know, paying for it myself, a class here and there, because I really did want to become, like I said, it was, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a psychologist. It was between those two things, but I knew I wanted to do something to make a difference. Um, Then I wound up, I wound up, my father actually got me my first really big job by a a connection he had working in the fashion industry, um, working with a manufacturer who manufactured uh, accessories for children and women. And we sold to stores like Claire's Accessories and New York and Company and all of that. And he didn't have anything going on with his ladies division. He was just launching it. And he, he said, yeah, I could use somebody that could help me with that. And I had sales experience on the retail side. So I got my feet wet there. I didn't need to have a degree. It was great. And honestly, I did really, really well. And then I started my own business for a little while after that, and I became a manufacturer's rep. Again, nobody's asking me what my degree was. It was until I said, okay, I don't want this anymore. I want to have a start a family, and I just want to work for someone and, and, get in, and have insurance and do all of that fun stuff that, um, and in New Jersey, not go back and forth to New York anymore, that that's when it came up. You know, it came up the question of, can you check this box that says you graduated 
and all four years and have a bachelor's degree. And I couldn't. And so the first time that, um, that it really hit me hard was when nonprofit found me. So that's my nonprofit career found me by the American Heart Association after I put mm-hmm. my, my uh, resume on monster.com. They, um, they found me and, and they called me in and we had a great meeting and they called me in again and we had a great meeting. And then the third meeting, which was a three hour interview with three people, the question of my degree came up. Now we're on the third interview. It was not something they asked the first two times, right? And I have to admit in front of three very intelligent people, and I was doing really well, they don't have a degree. And they asked me the question, why? You know? And I was very honest with them. You know, college just wasn't, the college I went to just wasn't for me. And, you know, but I feel like I could do this job because and they had to go and get it approved by their national office. Wow. And that, you know, it's not that I was in ba- I think back then maybe there was a little bit of embarrassment for sure, but that was incredible to me, right? They liked me. They knew I could do the job. They wanted to offer me the job, but they had to go because there's a piece of paper I was missing in my toolkit. Right. And because of that, they had to go get approval. And that was not the only time, Dennis, along my career path. Um, every job after that that I had, uh, for the most part, um, were national organizations. And even though I was in my 40s at one point, a very early part of my 40s at one point, um, or late 30s, they still had to go ask, even though I had all of that experience at the American Heart Association. And so that, and I also wound up being the fundraiser uh, with the least amount of experience when I came in raising the most amount of money in the first year and the only one without the college degree. Yeah. So, so you, it's interesting you say that because there's, there's a point in everyone's life that results matter more than education, you know, and if you don't have results, then, then the only thing you do have at that point is education. And so but once you know, I had the same situation, I, I never had an opportunity to go to college. So I remember the first couple of jobs, you know, people were like, well, you don't have any college degree and we only hire salespeople with college education. And I was like, I get it. I just don't have it. No problem. And, and it hurt me because I was like, how am I going to get a job? You know, and then I started selling and then I started getting results. And I remember midway through my career, I'd be hired by big companies like banks and they'd say, hey, you know, you're hired. And I'm like, don't you want to see my education? I think I would, or the person would say, you sell. <laughs> I don't care about your education. You sell, right? And so there's a point that our results is who we are, and that's our education, you know? And, you, and you're talking about that now because right now it doesn't matter what your education was. It's like, what did Jody do for the last 15, 20 years? Here's what I've done. It's all that matters, right? And so I, I really like that story because, again, for those in the audience that have, children or nieces or nephews, or then themselves that are new in, in their career and, and you struggle with the education side, there, there's ways to get around that. And that is results. You, you, you know, if you could build kind of a, a little bit of a war chest of things that you've accomplished and things that you've done, that's really who you are. Um, so I want to add something. I want to add something to that. So when I was working for another nonprofit, national nonprofit, and I was hiring staff, uh, and I wound up being responsible for five states and five different boards. Yeah. I had to hire somebody for a position to run two events. And this person had a law degree, right? Her, her degree on paper was incredible. She didn't want to do law anymore. She wanted an, what she thought was be an easier position, an easier role. 
And I hired her. She had great energy. She was wonderful, but she wasn't a fundraiser. And even though she had this great bachelor's and then a law degree way beyond, it still didn't fit the job. So sometimes they'll say, do you have a bachelor's degree on Indeed or wherever? And you can click the box. But how does that degree actually correlate to what the job entails? Right. So that's the one thing I have to say that I still have a problem with, like if I wanted to go get a job outside of doing something on my own, I still couldn't click that button, which would still hinder me from ever being looked at for that job. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's unfortunate because you don't get the opportunity to show who you are. But, you know, when I think about education, because I don't want anyone to misunderstand at least what we're talking about here. Oh, right, exactly. I really wish I went to college. Me too. I wish I had the experience and I wish I, I developed the discipline because there's one thing that college teaches or higher education teaches is that discipline to block out and study. I never had that. So, so now today I read and I do a lot of reading. I'll read, you know, six, seven books a year. I block it out, but it's tough because it, I, I didn't practice that for four years. So I went right to work. I didn't have to. I'd read articles. And I'd only read half of an article. I wouldn't even read the full article. But now, you know, it, it, to make that adjustment, knowing that education, my, my children all went to schools, right? I sent mm -hmm. them to higher education. I wish I had it. But if you don't have it, it certainly doesn't stop us from achieving great things and making an impact on society and on the world, it's, certainly. So now you're, you're, you're podcasting. Right. And so and, and you have this today is the day change makers and uh, you're doing all kinds of you have the you have the non for profit. So let's start with the podcast. So mm -hmm. um, why are you doing a podcast like there's a thousand pod, there's five thousand podcasts out there. Why are you doing the podcast? So I even have to go back a little further. So when I became a certified professional coach um, five years ago. Uh, which is a story unto itself because I wanted to become a coach after hearing a coach speak. Didn't even know what a coach was mm -hmm. One of my events. She stood in the front of the room. She took us all on this incredible journey because as I was going through my nonprofit journey, I still didn't feel like I was where I wanted to be. I loved the work and I was driven to work 60, 80 hour weeks. But my thing was, is that, and I would put my head on the pillow feeling great, but I felt like there was something else and I couldn't figure out. There's so many people who I know are in the same boat. I talk to them all the time. There's something else. I don't know what it is. And I keep telling them, listen and watch for the signs because out of nowhere, these things come to you if you're open to them. Mm -hmm. So this woman gets on the stage. I hire her to be at my event. She's a friend of my daughter's mom. And she comes in. She's been on the Oprah show. And she comes in. She stands on the stage in the middle of the snowstorm. It was a miracle. People came to the event and she was there. And she starts bringing these people and talking to them about different things, things that she was making them laugh because it, in her life, she wanted to be an entertainer. So she was taking the stage as a coach and she was using that there. And she took them on this journey. She made them laugh. The whole room erupted and she made them cry. And mm -hmm. when they walked out the door, the smile and the connection amongst the people that were in the audience was something I had really not seen before. And I looked at her saying, what is this word coach? What does this mean? And that is what I want to do. And she went on to tell me about schools and things like that. I called them up. They were 10,000 plus a year. And I had two kids and I, they were both getting ready to go to college soon. And I was working the 60 to 80 hour week job being a VP of a nonprofit. And so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'm not going to be able to do that. Then my father got sick with ALS. And 
And uh, he knew that's what I wanted to do. And so on his deathbed, he made me promise that no matter what, that I was not going to be like him who had regrets of things that he didn't do, that I would go back to school and go after my dream of, of, of doing that. And I didn't even know that was a dream. So two months to the day after his funeral, literally two months to the day after his funeral, I started my first in-person class. And, and I didn't know what I wanted to name my organ, my company, whatever, but I knew I wanted to start a podcast. I was like, I want to talk to people. I want to hear their story of how they came to where they are. But every bit inside myself kept saying, you're just another coach. Nobody even knows what a coach is. Who's going to listen to your podcast? Who's going to come on? Who cares? Who cares? That little girl, that little shy girl came out again. Right. And said, be quiet. Right. Because that's what it used to always say to me. It was like this little side on my shoulder saying, just be quiet. Don't be seen. Nobody's going to care. And so I did. I went, in, I went into hiding and I became a coach and I wanted to be the connection coach, right? That's what I, I didn't want to. Connection know. coach. What is that? Yeah. I wanted to be the connection coach. And everybody said, no, you've got a niche. You got, you want to be working with women or people who are in the second career, like find your niche. No, I don't want to do that. Everything we do in our lives is about connection. We connect to ourselves. We connect to others. We connect to our spouses. We connect even the car we're going to go out and buy. We buy it because we connect with it. And I wanted to help people find ways to connect to the things that they felt they were missing that connection to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. strengthen those connections. But everybody kind of looked at me. So I stayed quiet on even saying that now I say it and I say it proudly because if that judgment, it doesn't weigh as heavy. I, I think it's also, you know, the filters start to go and, and the judgment doesn't weigh as heavy. It still weighs. Believe me, I still have that. Like we talk about, you know, that imposter syndrome comes up um, a lot and I have to talk it down. But the podcast actually, going back to your original question, I resurrected it after I was working for a statewide organization here in the state, um, and I started their nonprofit council for them. But then they had to kind of, you know, release me from a full-time position while I was building up the foundation, which we'll get to, and have me on as a consultant. And I don't know what happened, Dennis, but I remember sitting on the couch out of nowhere six years later, never thinking about the podcast going, okay, now's the time. I have to get this podcast. I thought about it in October and launched the first episode, December 30th, not having a clue how to put a podcast together. Right. But you figured it out. So it's 59 podcasts later and you figured it out and then you're getting better and better at it. But that, again, uh, you know, uh, 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 Martin Luther King has a great quote where he says, you don't need to see the whole staircase. You just need to see one step at a time. And, uh, and you're just taking this one step at a time. And every time you do it, you learn a lesson and say, next time I'll do it this way. I'll, I'll do a little bit better. And, and now you're here. So it's, it's great. So when we look at um, you have all these guests and there's, you know, for someone that's considering a podcast, uh, there's a process to this, right? There is a process to meet people. And there's a process to, to when you do meet people, there's, there's a format that you need to follow. You need to get to learn about your guests a little bit before you interview them. And so, um, so this, this you've learned along the way. I mean, you started it without the knowledge. And then along the way, you've learned, oh, this is the way you do that. Oh, there's a better way to do it than the way I've been doing it, right? <laughs> and so what's one word of advice to someone that, maybe wants to start a podcast 
and you still have a long way to go yet, but you, you're still new. And so it's still fresh in your mind. Maybe some of the lessons in the last year that you've learned doing a podcast, not from your guest yet, but just, just doing a podcast. Be authentic. Like you really, you know, I might not do tons and tons of research on every single guest because I want to learn organically with the audience. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that if you learn and prepare too much, then it doesn't seem so authentic. Mm -hmm. And that's why I give light questions, but I tell everybody we may veer and I need my guests to be willing to be able to do that or it will not work for me because I have to pull out those nuggets, those gems of information that somebody else may be able to learn from. So I need them to be flexible. And so coming, I think, you know, like I I think I told you before the podcast today, I don't know what makes it different, but I know a lot of people have said that they enjoy the conversations. And I think it's the only thing I can say it is because is because I really do care about the people that are on. I really do care about sharing their story. I'm not looking at what the benefit is to me to have them on. To me, how do I help you or whoever that guest is to get your message out? Because I also will say I learned so much from people I listen to that I would have never, ever been able to have left that full-time piece and gone on to do the things that I do, did without you know, the mentorship from people that I never even met. I just listened to or read their books. So I'm hoping that somebody may be driving in their car thinking like, today is a horrible day for me and I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And then they turn this on and they hear someone like you or another guest talk about a horrible day they had and how they got through it. And that yeah. gives just a little bit of inspiration to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You make a really good point. And, and you reminded me when you started uh, this, this part of your conversation about your podcast that, you know, we, one, one, I, I, I there's a rule out there. I, I learned from someone that says, listen to people as if they have something valuable to say, like, and so what you're doing is you're giving people an opportunity to listen to people. And yeah, you could talk an hour to someone and you may only get the last sentence before it ends is where you got your value. And you say, well, that was worth the hour. I mean, I had to wait the hour because it was the last thing they said, but it's okay. I walk away with a gem, right? Sometimes it's in the very beginning, you know? Um, but I, when I heard that, I totally reappreciated conversations with people because it may not seem like this was going to be valuable, but then along the way, it's like, Oh, that's interesting. That actually came out by mistake. That person didn't even mean to say that, but they said it and it got my wheels turning and I'm like, it was worth it because now my wheels are turning. And and so I, I think when you talk about change makers, you're helping people change the way they may view things or change the way they may feel about things because of hearing someone else's story. So I think what you do is very valuable and, and I applaud you for that. And I thank you for that. But you had, you had 59, 60 guests so far, right? And so each of them have a different story. There's some similarities, there's some patterns, mm-hmm. but, but there's lessons learned. And so what I ask you to do is put together a couple of the lessons that you've learned from key people. Now they were all key. But what are some of the outstanding things that you could share with us today? Lessons learned from your guests. So I had to write down a few because I can't, I have to tell you right now, there is no accurate remember every single lesson learned. And there's so many more than what I have here. I will say um, a lot of people talked about imposter syndrome, like people that were, that you would look at them and you would think they could 
never, ever share a story about imposter syndrome because the way they come off is so confident and believable. And yet they were able to really share their vulnerability so that there was a common theme on imposter syndrome for sure. Um, Perry Tuttle said something, do all you can while you can. And he said that because of the fact that he is dealing with multiple surgeries for his eyesight. And you know what? We don't realize how important our eyesight is, right? And and it can anything can happen to us at any time. And I just love yeah. do all you can while you can. I think that was just so, something so important. Kieran Guardioso said, together we can achieve more. We it seems so simple, but it is it, it we sometimes want to silo ourselves and be the hero, right? And we want to be known for, but if we come together with others, we can do way more, right? Uh, Tanuja Daini from Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, perfection is not the goal. We all try to be perfectionists, right? And she speaks to the fact that well, it's so subjective, perfection. It's mm-hmm. everybody will think that, you know, that was perfect, unless it's a math equation, right, which has a definitive answer. Everything else pretty much may not be as, as simple as just that one answer, Um, Scott Williams was one of the people who talked about creating the applause from within. And this is one thing he said that I I love. Again, a very simple thing. Worry is a bully. And Mm -hmm. if you think about that, it is very true. Because when we worry and we keep that talk going on and on in our mind, we absolutely, that becomes our bully. That is truly an internal bully. Um, uh, Marion Chamberlain said, and I love this, sensitivity is her superpower where most people feel like it is, you know, to their detriment, right? Because I'm a very sensitive person. You know, I come off very strong. But the truth is, is that I will mull things over and over and over in my mind, even though outwardly, I may not show that that's, you know, hurtful. Um, Ivy Sharmitz, she talked about the fact that when she's having a really bad day, she will pay for the person behind her on the Dunkin' Donuts line. And for whatever reason, that just brings her such great joy and yeah. it brings her to a whole different level by giving to others. Um, uh, John Belazar talked that luck is this powerful force waiting for those who are ready. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a, I think that was an, an incredible thing um, to share. And a lot of people, I have to say a lot of my guests talked about patience and, and, and patience being present And I have to tell you, there's, I swear, Nike should be a sponsor of this podcast, because the reason I say that is, is when I ask the question, what would you tell someone who wants to, has all these plans in their mind, doesn't know how to execute, what would you tell them? And they all said the same thing, not even knowing, just do it, Mm -hmm. do it, just take the steps, just do it. And my next thing is, is, but if they don't know how, how, if they don't know how to do it. And the whole thing goes back to the one word we talked about before, connection, Dennis. Connecting with people, not for the betterment of how they're going to help you launch, but in that connection, what can you do for each other? How how do you both benefit from Mm -hmm. conversation and not coming to the table? And that was the other thing. I I didn't come to these change makers wanting something from them. I wanted them to share about themselves. Right. All of them, everyone who is a change maker, they were more than happy to share about themselves, but they all talked about how they wanted to make the world a better place. Yep. yep. In, their own, in their own way. So those are just some, 
just some of the things you, you and I, in our conversation, we talked about imposter syndrome, you know, that definitely did seem to be really high up on the list, especially some, for some very outward facing people that you would have never expected it from. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you bring that up because sometimes we talk about just do it and and I get it, you know, Nike made a lot of money with that. Mm -hmm. There's a symbol behind it, but it's almost, to someone that doesn't know how to do it and doesn't know the struggle and, and have the esteem and the self-confidence and that, that whole kind of self picture of themselves doing something greater than what they're doing right now. That's like a, yeah, just do what? Like, what are you talking about? You already did it. It's easy for you to say, but it's really reflecting on, well, you know, looking at your life and, and meeting people because, you know, they say, if you hang around a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. And if you hang around people that are, that are dreamers too, that are people have dreamt about things just like you're dreaming right now, people that have struggled just like you're struggling right now or have struggled, if you hang out with people like that, that rubs off. You start to get that energy from people and you start to realize it's possible. You know, and I like that term because someone said, well, I, I can never get that. I can never do that. Well, it's possible. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. Let's just stay there. It's possible. Then there's a way to do it. Do you want it bad enough? Do you want to experience it bad enough that you'll endure the pain of getting it? No, I don't want to have pain in my life. Then you're not ready yet. When you're ready, then you could go through the pain because you're going to feel the pain. You're going to feel, and depending upon the bigger the cause, the more the pain. But then at the end, at the end, you look back and say it was worth all the scars. I got this one two years ago. <laughs> I got this one last month. You know, the scar on my face was five years ago. But we look back and say these scars were, were worth the achievement. And so I know that you're building your podcast. There's there's bumps and bruises along the way. I'm building. I, I'm, I'm in my next career. And I'm, you know, what do I do now? I'm, I'm, I want to semi-retire. So but I don't want to stop. Right. So um so let, let's just look at the foundation a minute, because we actually met through the foundation when you were starting this foundation. That's we met before. Yeah, we actually uh, met, I, we met a little bit before, and I, I'm glad you brought that up, Dennis, because there's something I wanted to share with everybody. So when I was working at the YMCA, uh, the community YMCA, which was called years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, you spoke. You right, came, I remember that. They hired you to speak. And that was right after I had gotten my certification. I no, had, I spoke for nothing. They didn't hire what? me. What? That was a freebie. They didn't hire oh, me. Oh, I'm sorry. Free. He was free. He was free. <laughs> I did that for nothing. <laughs> um, so, I, well, all I know is that's I was in the audience. I was there. And you were there. And you did the same thing that the original coach who got me into wanting to be a coach. And you talk, took me on that ride. And I was laughing and everything. And I had just had my certification. But I left being a consultant on my own thing and went back to work. And I was feeling just like not fulfilled. And so I went up to you at the end and I, I'm bringing this up because it's true. I didn't know how to do it. Right. I, I wanted to ask you to mentor me, help me. And I was feeling very shy about doing that feeling like you don't know me from a hole in the wall. You just came and you were talking. And at the very end, I remember going up to you asking if we could have lunch and if, if I could talk to you about what you just did, and you said yes. And so the reason I bring that up is for those people who are listening, it could be that specific little step, as long as the other person on the other side is willing to say yes. And Dennis was willing to say yes. 
And he came to our first meeting with about six different books that I should read. And it was, it was just incredible. And that's why I say connection is so important and so key. Um, And that does lead into, you did help us with the foundation as well, but I just wanted to bring that up because it doesn't have to be a huge step. It could be a conversation. So I want to, I want to just go back a little bit with the not charging because I bring that up for a point. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a speaker and I'm a paid speaker and I, and I, and I have done things in Canada and, and, and throughout the U.S. And when I deal with a non-for-profit, I do not charge for my speaking engagements. I, 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 that's, that's, my, that's my contribution to the non-for-profit. Now, if you're a company, that's different. But, but I don't charge. If someone's willing to listen to the message, I'm willing to do it for free. And why would I do that? Because there's a principle. A generous heart prospers. And the more generous I get, the more I prosper. And so if you're out there and you're looking to start a podcast or you're, you want to be a speaker and you want to be a coach, you may have to volunteer your time for a while. And that's how I built my business is doing as many as I can for nothing. And then people say, that's a really good message. Next time you come, I'll pay you. And I'll say, just give me a bagel. I remember telling a YMCA, I said, just feed me. And they had bagels there. And they're like, listen, we got your bagels. Is that fine? That's fine. That's fine. I just want to eat. So, so it's, it's, it, when, when we're starting something new, how generous could we be? How much could we give away of ourselves to others that at some point we can get paid? And, and that's, that's how I started my business is, is being willing to give it away. That's how passionate I am. But uh, so, so we, we talk about the foundation and you started yes. the foundation. And I was totally intrigued because you were helping children. And that's a soft mm-hmm. spot. And um, so let's take a minute or two to talk about your foundation. Mm. So going back to my dad, who was uh, my mentor, who I miss terribly. Um, When he was very ill, he was diagnosed with ALS. um, And we lost him within six months of his diagnosis. Yeah, it was really horrible because he was perfectly fine. And then he wasn't. Um, He on on his deathbed when he was very ill, he was an opera singer. Um, That was his that was his passion. Okay. And, and that was his biggest regret was that he could not take his passion and make a living doing it because he couldn't afford lessons until he was in his mid thirties. And at his first vocal lesson, they said, Oh, by the way, you're an operatic tenor. And he's like, what? I just love singing. I didn't realize I had that kind of talent. And so he went on to just do very regional things and he worked full time and he worked hard. And like I said, he was a workaholic, um, but he didn't get to do that as much as he wanted. And when he was sick, Um, They actually even got him, uh, he had to have, unfortunately, a tracheotomy, and they got him a a vocal one where he would actually, was able to actually sing happy birthday um, to my daughter a week before he passed away. I mean, that's how much singing meant to him and the fact that he could do that. But on on his deathbed, his biggest regret was not being able to connect to the performing arts and sing. So um, it was devastating to lose him uh, and it was so sudden. And so about a year after my sister and I were sitting in my backyard and we talked about, you know, me being a nonprofit for such a long time, how can we continue this legacy of his mentor mm-hmm. to many? He was a coach, but never went to school for it. And his, at his funeral, the place was lined with people we had never met. And they were saying to us, your father helped us with our marriage. Your father helped us build this business. And I'm like looking at them going, who are you? But the line was huge. Oh, who was he? He helped all these people. We didn't even yeah, know. I don't, I'm like, what? So it was just incredible. So we're like, how do we keep this legacy alive? Because everybody else is talking about him and they're keeping his legacy alive, sharing all he talked about. He practiced the religion of kindness and life is about conversation, a hug and showing up. And he had all these amazing sayings. And so 
we said, you know what? There are little boys and girls out there right now who can't afford to take lessons just like him. Dance, acting, singing, instrumental music. How do we help them so that they never lay in that bed years, 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 many years later saying, my biggest regret is that I couldn't connect to this creative outlet that made me feel good just to get up and either be on stage or just to play the piano for my family. He talked about before he passed what that gave him and how he loved taking the audience on a journey with him when he performed. So we fund children that to take lessons in, in all of the arts, dance, acting, singing, instrumental music, 100%. They get to go to a school just like their friends. So they don't, we don't put them together. Not all the underserved go together. That was not what we wanted. And it wasn't a one and done because you can't fall in love with something and you're in this underserved region. You lose, you're losing so much all the time. You need to have something you can connect to. Mm-hmm. The kids stay with us for up to 15 years now. And we fund them fully. If they need dance shoes, they need a ukulele, they need whatever they need, we provide to them. We place them in schools that we do background checks on. They stay there. We connect them. We work with special kids on the spectrum, kids that have special needs, and we put them in to um, studios that can support them in on their journey. And right. they also fund teachers to go into existing organizations where the kids can't even afford to travel to go to a school. So that we can connect more kids that way. So if I wanted to learn more about your foundation, all I have to do is go to your website. Yeah. Applaud or, or send you an email and say, I'd like to learn more. Let's have a conversation. And I'd like to participate. I know at Investors Bank, uh, I love the concept. And, and we were one of the first to say, yes, we'll support this. And we have done that over the years. In fact, we ran a couple of live concerts to raise money for non-for-profits. We put a band together at the bank and we asked your kids to come on stage with us and they just blew the house down. And now we did some virtual concerts and, and we, we still bring the virtual stage to, to our audience, to our customers, our employees, your children, you know, uh, uh, continue to join us on stage. And it's just great. And, and it's, it's amazing how in less than 10 years, I think it's seven years or so, Less, four and a half. Four and a half. I mean, it's just amazing how much that's been accomplished. But it's only accomplished because there's a big need. If there wasn't a need, uh, this wouldn't have went as fast. But there's a huge need out there, and you filled that need. And you said, somebody's got to do it, so I'll do it. And and you did it, and now everyone's supporting, and it's wonderful, and we feel good about helping you help the children. So that's great. And then now uh, you, you have this big conference coming up. It's like this huge thing, like really big uh, <laughs> conference coming up next year. So I'm going to give you a minute to plug it. All right. Thank you, Dennis. So I decided that I have these phenomenal change makers, but if you don't listen to podcasts, then you're going to miss out on hearing all of the nuggets and gems that they have to share. And I want to continue my connection with them as well. So why not bring them to the virtual stage, as you said, um, and do an international, I'm talking people from all over the world, Dubai, UK, everywhere, Austria, and they to come together to talk about six very relevant topics that the panelists will serve on that are change makers. Attendees will, will pay a fee to come to attend. But I think the, the thing that everybody can benefit if you attend this event is we're going to do an international networking where Fred Waziak, who is one of our cha- my change makers, he is the uh, Food Bank of South Jersey CEO and president. He is going to run Um, two breakout sessions where people from around the world will interact. And it's not going to be your typical 30-second elevator speech to get to know each other. He is going to make it fun and interactive. And you're going to walk away with contacts and new friends and new connections. 
and there's sponsorship opportunities. This is way bigger scale than just something very local. And one of the things that I, I'm just I'm just excited to be able to bring all of these change makers together to share their expertise because they're all come from different backgrounds and have different stories to share. Right. So so what what's unique about this too, when I when I looked at the program yesterday and I saw the amount of people in each room, this is not like this, this there's 300 people in a breakout room and you're trying to find space to get your name out there. This is a very selective group of people that have an opportunity to really talk about their business, to make some meaningful connections and, and to make something happen after the event, which I totally respect because sometimes you go on a big event and there's too many people there. It's like, yeah, I picked up some gems, but I never have, have an opportunity to meet anyone because there's just too many people. But I think you've managed that pretty well. So, you know, if you're interested, anyone that's listening to the podcast, sign up because, you know, there's going to be at some point where it becomes too big. And we want you, you know, we, we want to have everyone opportunity to to share their thoughts and also promote their business. It's all about promoting your business. So um, one last thought. So uh, we're going into 2022. And um, so I want to look at 2021 for a minute. And I want you to tell me two things you've learned about yourself in the last 12 months since the pandemic, lockdown, podcast, all this stuff going on in your life. What did you learn about Jody? That I had more courage than I thought I did. Okay. You know, that, that, that is definitely scared, you know, to put myself out there. Like I said, that every time that little girl comes back, but I learned that I had more courage than I thought I did in order mm-hmm. to be able to do what I'm doing through, through the podcast and change makers. Oh my gosh, that is starting from nothing. And, and all these people are saying yes to me. And that was incredible. And that my authenticity is probably my gift. And I don't mean that in a, in a boast, boastful way. It's that I think that I always thought I had to put this armor on, be this professional, wear the certain outfit, be, be what the expectations of the world are, because you've got to check boxes. And I stopped wanting to check boxes and just wanted to be me. And that's when I found that more people connected with me when I took away what I thought the expectations were from other people. Yeah. Wow. That's two beautiful lessons to learn. That's great. So you want to carry that in to your future life, right? Um, So we look at 2022 and what impact do you want to make in 2022? What's the one of your top impacts you want to make? Well, March 24th, obviously, is the the Changemakers Forum at 1045. It begins that day. The impact is that I want to continue to share stories from people who really want to change the world. But I also, what's really important to me, Dennis, to be honest with you, and I don't know how to measure this. I'm just going to be very upfront here. I don't know how to measure this. There's a lot of podcasts and there's a lot of people who share things. But I really want somehow to put together a toolkit, a valuable toolkit that people can take away. And you and I have talked about those gems, right? You know, dust them off from those conversations and use them immediately. That's the one thing. We don't have a lot of time. Our days are filled with so many things that we don't have a lot of time to listen to a lot of stuff and get nothing out of it. So I really want people to be able to take things away. So one of the things that, you know, I definitely want to do is create an online resource for people so that they can write down what those gems are from each podcast, that they can look back on what they've learned. 
I just want, that's my goal. How do I become, how does what I'm doing become a resource to help those people who are doing great work, but want to continue, but need motivation? Um, just a quick, another ad uh, through the Changemakers Forum. I am creating an Inspire Change uh, piece, which will be almost like if you printed it, a cocktail table type of um, read. It's going to be from leaders across the world. There'll be sponsors, but leaders across the world that will share their words of wisdom that you can look back and see. Executive producer of XY TV show says this is what inspires him every day to move forward. And when you're looking at those people that you may look up to or people that you may think may not have imposter syndrome and then have the same thing and how did they get out of it? And you can look back and read about it. Yeah. Be a resource. Yeah. It reminds me of chicken soup for the soul. You know, it's exactly. just a collection of encouraging, motivating thoughts and quotes and stories that you you kind of pick up. And today, uh, let me read my my juice for the day. You know, at Investors Bank, if anyone's interested in Investors Bank, we send out the morning juice every day. And, uh, you know, and my, my goal there was to help people start the day with something optimistic that they could consider. And so we send out this positive email and and we, we have thousands of people getting it. Occasionally, we have some people that emails back saying, I don't want anything positive in the morning. So take me off your list. And I laugh every time people unsubscribe. They're like, this is too positive for me. And I'm like, okay, I can send you negative stuff. I don't want you to unsubscribe. I can send you stuff that'll really get you going. But uh, but it's, it's really interesting because um, there's so much that we can learn. And there's so many blind spots that we have as humans that we're so close to our issues that we don't recognize everything. We think we do. But then someone walks in and says, hey, hey, you know, you could probably do that. And you're like, wait a minute, get out of here. I never even thought of that. And how many times has that happened? So I, I think your podcast allows us, you know, podcast after podcast allows us to maybe recognize a blind spot that we could look at and say, I really didn't think of that. Or I did think of it, but I didn't think it was that important. But now that this person's mentioning it, that validates, maybe I should look deeper into this. So it's really valuable what you're doing. I appreciate it. I look forward to 2022. I look forward to your change makers. Uh, thank you for the recognition for the award. I look forward to getting that award. Um, and um, so I thought this was great. I hope the audience appreciated your uh, your your rawness, your, your candor, exposing yourself, putting yourself out there. Uh, I, I think people will resonate with your story because you're just like everybody else. We all have a story. You shared yours today. It was great. Thank you so much for the courage that you showed and uh, future success in your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And the book, we're going to be having a book. And the book is coming out. Oh, yes. Yes. I forgot. I wrote all my notes to book. All right. You're going to be doing a book. I, I don't yet. So make sure I'm in that book. You're going to be in that book. You know oh, you're going to be in that book. But, oh, but th there's more stories to share. And for anybody who is just unsure how to continue to go after their dreams, I'm here to help them. That's why I say Connection Coach. I just want to help as many people as I possibly can. I help kids through music with my sister. My sister and I, I help individuals share their story. And I help people connect to what, whatever it is they need to, you know, to strengthen. And Dennis, I want to thank you because, you know what, I met so many incredible people along the way. You're one of them. And thank you. So I so appreciate the belief in this and thank you to all the listeners this year. I just want to say a very special thank you to all of you from Germany, UK, 23 countries, 280 cities across the world. I couldn't do without the listeners and those who are on. So thank you to everybody for being a part of this incredible 
incredible year this year. What a great way to close out the year. Thank you, Dennis. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Everyone have a great, great 2022. So I'll close it out the way I always close it out. Today, you cannot go back to yesterday and you do not yet own tomorrow. So what small or large step are you going to take today to get yourself closer to your goals? You can do it. Believe in yourself. We all do. Have a great week, everyone, and happy new year. Bye, Dennis.